0: SECTION 41 OF THE CATHOLIC'S READY ANSWER This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE CATHOLIC'S READY ANSWER by Rev. M. P. Hill SECTION 41 FREEMASONRY OBJECTION Why is the Church opposed to Freemasonry without any distinction? Whatever may be the aims of Masonry on the continent of Europe, there is certainly nothing hostile to the Catholic Church, or to religion generally, in Anglo-American Masonry, whose object is mutual aid among the members of the Fraternity and the promotion of the spirit of Brotherhood throughout the world. The Answer The Catholic Church is opposed to Freemasonry because there is a solidarity between Masons of all countries. Freemasonry is international in the sense that there is a mutual recognition of Masons among themselves as belonging to one general fraternity, that there is a systematic maintenance of correspondence between the Masonic Lodges that the masons of the world meet in international convention, that they have a common literature, and common signs, passwords, and symbols. But what is more to the point is that Anglo-American masonry has long since been either absorbed or dominated by masonry of the Scottish type, which is essentially naturalistic and anti-Christian, has a religion of its own, and is, in general, one of the worst forms of Freemasonry. This solidarity is openly acknowledged by leading Masonic authorities. Brother Pike, for instance, who is an American oracle of Freemasonry, writes Official Bulletin, 1885, Volume 7, 29. When the Journal in London, which speaks of the Freemasonry of the Grand Lodge of England, depreciatingly protested that the English Freemasonry was innocent of the charges preferred by the Papal Bull, Encyclical, 1884, against Freemasonry, when it declared that English Freemasonry had no opinions political or religious and that it did not in the least degree sympathize with the loose opinions and extravagant utterances of part of the Continental Freemasonry, it was very justly and very conclusively checkmated by the Romish organs with the reply, It is idle for you to protest. You are Freemasons, and you recognize them as Freemasons. You give them countenance, encouragement, and support. And you are jointly responsible with them and cannot shirk that responsibility. Quoted by Gruber, Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 5, 9, page 778. What is said here of English masonry would be generally regarded as applicable to American masonry. Pike is only one of the many authorities that acknowledge the oneness of Freemasonry throughout the world. American Freemasonry was at first comparatively innocent, but the Scottish Rite, since its importation into the United States at the close of the American Revolution, has gradually made its way to supremacy. Its hostility to the Papacy and to Monarchy is acknowledged by Masonic writers. Its thirtieth degree is distinguished by its practice of trampling on the Pope's tiara and the royal crown. It professes a belief in the great architect of the world, but discards all received modes of worshipping him. It has, in fact, a religion of its own, a religion which is paraded as antedating all the religions now in vogue, the primitive religion practiced by no and others long before the advent of Moses and the Mosaic Law. That Freemasonry has a religion of its own was rather strangely and surprisingly acknowledged in 1903 by the Grand Lodge of Free and Accepted Masons of the State of New York. A certain Robert Copp, having been expelled from the fraternity, appealed against the action of his brethren to the civil courts of the State, and received an unfavorable judgment first from the supreme court and afterward from the appellate division of the same court one of the strong points made by the grand lodge was that a masonic society was a religious body possessing all the privileges of any religious association the following is an extract from the briefs and points presented by counsel for the Grand Lodge at the second trial. The right to membership in the Masonic fraternity is very much like the right to membership in a church. Each requires a candidate for admission to subscribe to certain articles of religious belief as an essential prerequisite to membership. Each requires a member to conduct himself thereafter in accordance with certain religious principles each requires its members to adhere to certain doctrines of belief and action the precepts contained in the landmarks and the charges of a freemason see pages 92 to 100 of the book of constitutions edition of 1900 formulate a creed so thoroughly religious in character that it may well be compared with the formally expressed doctrine of many a denominational church. The Masonic fraternity may, therefore, be quite properly regarded as a religious society, and the long line of decisions, holding that a religious society shall have sole and exclusive jurisdiction to determine matters of membership, should be deemed applicable to the Masonic fraternity, there is so much trumpery speculation on religious subjects in masonic writings so much is made of the meaning of arbitrary symbols which only a few adepts are supposed to be capable of understanding so strong is the tendency to go back to ancient superstitions which to a great extent disappeared at the dawn of christianity that the plain man of sense is tempted to regard it all as moonshine or as the purest humbug. But whatever may be said of the sanity, or of the sincerity of Masonic science, it is, after all, only one phase of a tendency, so marked in our day, to return to paganism, in thought, sentiment, and action. The Masonic conception of the architect of the universe is anything but the Christian conception of God, and is distinctly pagan. And yet how many has it not deceived outside the ranks of the fraternity, though, even within the order, as we shall see later, the interpretation of words, symbols, and allegories, given in the lower degrees, is part and parcel of a system of deception practiced on the initiated themselves. The following clear statement of Brother Pike is enough to show the attitude of Freemasonry toward Christianity and all other forms of religion. The italics are ours. Masonry, says Pike, propagates no creed except its own most simple and sublime one, taught by nature and reason. There has never been a false religion in the world. The permanent, one, universal religion is written in visible nature, and explained by the reason, and is completed by the wise analogies of faith. Gruber, ibid. In the Masonic view, no religion is false, because the rites and dogmas of all religions, Christianity included, are at least the symbols of the real truths of which Freemasonry is the Fortunate perhaps the sole possessor christianity buddhism mohammedanism are but husks enclosing the precious kernel of masonic truth surely there is enough in this to repel any christian who has the smallest knowledge of his faith if therefore any reader of this book should light upon a member of the craft who approaches him in that politely cautious way which is learned among the brethren and assures him that there is nothing in english or american masonry that ought to shock a christian he may set it down as certain supposing the mason's veracity either that he like brother pike is speaking in some transcendental masonic sense or that his assurances are based on ignorance he may not be enough of an adept to know what any one may know by consulting the acknowledged authorities of the Order. As likely as not, he belongs to the class of blue masons, or low degree masons, who pride themselves on initiation in some grand this or that, without knowing whither they are going to be led in their possible ascent toward the top. The blue degrees, says Pike, are but the outer court, or portico, of the temple. Part of the symbols are displayed there to the initiate, but he is intentionally misled by false interpretations. It is not intended that he shall understand them, but it is intended that he shall imagine he understands them. Their true explication is reserved for the adepts, the princes of masonry. Quoted by Proust in A Study in American Freemasonry Masons, says Brother Oliver, may be fifty years masters of the chair, and yet not learn the secret of the Brotherhood." Gruber, Ibid. "It is for the adept," says Pike, "to understand the meaning of the symbols." Ibid. And Oliver adds, "Brethren high in rank and office are often unacquainted with the elementary principles of the science." Ibid. It is a common pretense of Masons in their discourses on Masonic science that they are the successors of the ancient adepts in pagan mysteries. Such is Freemasonry in its attitude toward religion. Masons themselves acknowledge that the sympathies of Anglo-American Masonry go out to the anti-Catholic and anti-Christian revolutions of continental Europe. In countries like Great Britain, in the United States, representative Masons may detest the Church as much as their European brethren, but either they cannot or dare not give expression to their detestation and overt acts of hostility, but they are in perfect sympathy with all the plots of Masonry in European countries against the freedom of the Church, against the religious orders, and against Catholic education the aims and machinations of freemasonry on the continents of europe are well known and no very extra pains seem to be taken to conceal them father gruber from whom we have been quoting and who is a master of the subject furnishes an abundance of evidence from the bulletin in the comte Rendu of the grand orient of france Showing the extent and character of Masonic anti-religious activities in France, it is clear from these sources that French Freemasonry aims at getting everyone and everything under its control. Coupperson ne bougera plus en France a do nous I said in the Assembly of eighteen ninety eight says Masset, one of its official orators that it is the supreme duty of Freemasonry to interfere each day more and more in political and profane struggles. Success in the anti-clerical combat is in a large measure due to Freemasonry, for it is its spirit, its program, its methods that have triumphed. If the bloc has been established, this is owing to Freemasonry, and to the discipline learned in the lodges. The measures we have now to urge are the separation of church and state, and a law concerning instruction. Let us put our trust in the word of our brother Combs. We need vigilance, and above all mutual confidence, if we are to accomplish our work, as yet unfinished. The Republic must rid itself of the religious congregations, sweeping them off by a vigorous stroke. Even worse aims than these are manifested by Senator Delpech, President of the Grand Orient. The triumph of the Galilean, he tells his brethren, has lasted twenty centuries, but now he footnote, we have reproduced the capitalization of the author, although contrary to the canons of good taste and general usage. And footnote. Dies in his turn. The mysterious voice announcing, to Julian the Apostate, the death of Pan, today announces the death of the imposter God, who promised an era of justice and peace to those who believed in him. The illusion has lasted a long time. The mendacious God is now disappearing in his turn he passes away to join in the dust of ages the other divinities of India, Egypt, Greece, and Rome, who saw so many deceived creatures prostrate before their altars. Brother Masons, we rejoice to state that we are not without our share in this overthrow of the false prophets. The Romish Church, founded on the Galilean myth, began to decay rapidly from the very day on which the Masonic Association was established. Gruber, ibid. The declarations of Italian Freemasonry are no less clear as to the aims of the Brotherhood. The Revista Masoneria Italiana, an official organ of Italian Masonry, has repeated avowals of the ultimate intentions of the Order. It tells us that the end it has set before it is the destruction of monarchy and of all thrones, and that the means to the end is the annihilation of the papacy and of all revealed religion. 1889, page 4, 1886, page 378. A thorough secularization of the state and of the schools, as well as the destruction of the Christian family and of all authority. Ibid. It informs us that all revealed religion is poison to the people eighteen ninety page one fifty nine that all instruction in any kind of catechism in the schools should be prohibited eighteen ninety two page two thirty one and that to the noble task of bringing all this about, freemasons the world over are devoting their energies eighteen ninety two Page 222-241 The platform of Freemasonry is clearly set forth in the Masonic publication entitled The Papal Church and Freemasonry, a Masonic Answer to the Papal Encyclical, Leipzig. Its aims are these, the demolishing of all church authority, the entire separation of church and school, the abolishing of religious instruction, the de-Christianizing of family life, and the emancipation of woman. This is the sort of thing to which Anglo-American Masonry lends its sympathy. Freemasonry is one and united throughout the world, and everywhere it is under the same ecclesiastical ban. Catholics need hardly be told that for them membership in any Masonic organization means excommunication from the Church. Masonry, therefore, whether it be British or American or Continental, is not simply an institution whose object is mutual aid and the establishment of a true brotherhood among men. Its purposes are deeper and more important than these it aims at universal dominion, it aims at crushing out supernatural religion and paganizing what is left. Even the benevolent purposes it makes profession of are anything but benevolent as regards the higher interests both of individuals and of society. Mutual assistance among masons is not confined to their helping one another to get on in the world. It has a wider sphere and extends to acts that involve a betrayal of honor and an infringement of duty. The claims of country in the hour of strife are little regarded by the mason when opposed to the interests of a member of the craft, so at least the following promise of the thirtieth degree would seem to imply. I pledge myself never to harm a knight kadosh, thirtieth degree, either by word or deed, I vow that if I find him as a foe in the battlefield, I will save his life, when he makes me the sign of distress, and that I will free him from prison and confinement upon land or water. The inexorable laws of war themselves, says an official orator of the Grand Orient of France, quoted by Father Gruber, I bid, had to bend before Freemasonry, which is perhaps the most striking proof of its power. A sign sufficed to stop the slaughter. The combatants threw away their arms, embraced each other fraternally, and at once became friends and brethren, as their oaths prescribed. The royal archmason swears, I will assist a companion royal archmason when I see him engaged in any difficulty and will espouse his cause, so as to extricate him from the same, whether he be right or wrong. Gruber, ibid. The fraternal spirit in masonry is plainly that of a close corporation devoted to self, at the expense of right and justice. Another aspect of Masonic brotherhood should make it contemptible to the initiated themselves, have we not seen masons confessing that those in the lower ranks are the dupes of those in the higher that the secrets of this happy brotherhood are known only to a very few absolute obedience solemnly sworn and extending to every possible command is not the condition of a brother making a covenant with brothers it is the condition of a slave who has placed himself under the yoke of tyrannical masters and yet masons are proud to exhibit the badges of their servitude as though these were the insignia of a privileged class of mortals privileged they certainly are in the opportunities afforded them for material gain and social advancement advantages however which most men of honour would scorn to purchase by associating themselves with a narrow clique, ruled by a still narrower one at the top, to say nothing of the sacrifice involved to things that ought to be dearer to them than any temporal advantage whatsoever. See Secret Societies. End of section forty one.